0: This week in KMA land, hearings set for shen water and sewer rate increases. Murder charges filed in Sydney stabbing incident. SRO is a go in the Shenandoah School District. SHS principal to students finish strong. And Mills County supervisors pass updated solar utility ordinance. I'm Mike Peterson. Like everything else, the cost of treating water supplies and wastewater keep going up. That's why Shenandoah officials propose another round of water and sewer rate increases. By unanimous vote Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council set public hearings for May 23rd at 6 p.m. on amendments to the city's water and sewer rates. Shenandoah City Administrator A.J. Lyman told KMA News the city proposes 1.5% increases in water rates each year over a three-year period. Lyman cites the costs of water treatment materials as the reason for the proposed hike.
1: I know lime, that's a key ingredient to our treatment process, went up by 30% this last year, and we use tons and tons of it all the time. Uh, You know, the costs of valves and like fire hydrants have doubled in prices in some cases. So, in order to just stay in front of that, and also using the advice of uh, previous folks we've had look at our rates. Uh, they recommend an annual increase in the 1-2% to 2% range uh, just to make sure that you're staying ahead of those cost increases year to
0: year. While saying he's not in favor of higher water bills, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen says the hikes are necessary in order to address the growing costs of water treatment services. The mayor gained insight in those costs during a recent tour of the city's water plant. The Queen made his comments on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning. Going
2: through uh, the water plant with Tim Martin, meters, every fitting, every piece of this has just jumped fifty to hundred percent. And what he used to pay, you know, a hundred dollars for, now he's paying a hundred and. 50 or 164. You know, it's sad, but we see this with groceries. We see it with gas. We see it with everything else. Everything has increases and we have to absorb this.
0: City officials also propose sewer rate increases over that same three-year period with an 11% hike the first year and increases of 10% in years two and three. Lyman says the sewer rate hikes would cover the construction costs for a new wastewater treatment plant estimated at around $20 million. We're trying to
1: save some pennies while we can and spread out that, that sticker shock to everybody for when that bill comes due in 2026. So we're trying to get ahead of that, and also we'll need to establish t- to the folks that we're borrowing money from that we can actually pay the money back when the bill comes due. So we've ne- we need to set those rates. We're also establishing uh, bulk sewer rates for our larger bulk accounts uh, in a three-tiered level as well to help kind of capture those costs.
0: Lyman says the existing 60-year-old plant still works but no longer meets today's treatment standards. In
1: the 60 years since it's been built, the requirements have changed. Um, the the new plant we're looking at building uh, will be able to treat to some newer uh, requirements by the DNR. It'll have more capacity. It'll have more capacity for that stormwater surge that we seem to get all the time, and it'll uh, actually be able to treat like industrial waste a little bit better as well.
0: are adds building a new plant is a better option than continuous costly repairs to the current facility. You know we
2: had some options here a few years ago. Uh, they offered us, a, uh, you know, well you could do this for seven million, but you know we're going to turn around the next year and do another repair seven million another one so in essence the the best thing to do would be to go ahead and construct this new plant uh... this puts us you know hopefully another fifty sixty seventy years before we have to do this again.
0: During Tuesday night's council meeting, Councilman Richard Jones questioned the city's transparency regarding the proposed rate hikes. McQueen says residents should attend the public hearing. You know,
2: I would encourage anyone that has questions or anything to uh, get a hold of uh, anybody at City Hall. I mean, get a hold of AJ or myself. You know, we'll be happy to tell them exactly how this is laid out. Also, I've encouraged everyone to come to the public hearing. The water superintendent and the wastewater superintendent will be there to answer any questions they have.
0: In other business, the city's former water plant found new owners as the council approved the sale of city-owned property at 204 North Grass Street to Austin and Kayla Terry for $5,000. After weeks of investigation, murder charges were filed this week in a deadly Fremont County stabbing incident. On Tuesday, law enforcement officials announced that 26-year-old Mark Dupree had been charged with first-degree murder for the April 17th stabbing death of 26-year-old Corey Miller of Sydney. Additionally, Dupree had been charged with attempted murder, willful injury causing serious injury, and going darn with intent, all felonies. The charges stem from an incident April 17th when the Fremont County Sheriff's Office was called to 508 Main Street in Sydney for a stabbing. Authorities found two male subjects outside the residence who had been stabbed. One man died and another was taken to the hospital with critical injuries. Dupree is currently in custody of the Fremont County Jail on an unrelated drug charge. The case is a joint investigation between the Fremont County Sheriff's Office, the Fremont County Attorney's Office, the Iowa Attorney General's Office, and Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation. Shenandoah School Buildings will have a law enforcement presence next school year. By unanimous vote, late Monday afternoon, the Shenandoah School Board approved a 28E agreement with the city for the SRO position. Shenandoah City Council ratified the agreement late last month. Under the agreement, school funds will cover the 40 hour a week contracted position. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Kerry Nelson says the officer's main role is to improve security in the district's buildings. Predominantly,
3: they would be on campus throughout the day and interacting with students and staff, and different duties can come up during the day. You know, they might be in some areas where there are large crowds. They could be in classrooms giving presentations. Um, They can be used as a consultant or a liaison between families, and school staff. So there's a lot of different ways that they can interact throughout the day. Nelson
0: says the SRO will also work school events. Given the increase in school violence, including mass shooting incidents taking place across the country over the past two decades, Nelson was asked whether the SRO position is a sign of the times in education. I
3: think society's changed a lot over the years, and we most certainly are seeing an uprise in violence in communities and in public places and Schools are not exempt from that, that violence. And so I think as a public entity and as a school system, as we're looking at what can we do, we can't prevent all things, we can't stop all bad actions from occurring, but what preventative measures can we take as school resource officers one component of a safety plan that the district is working on. Nelson
0: adds work continues on the school's security action plan following a two-day review of the district's safety measures late last year. Shenandoah is among the districts receiving $50,000 for the review under Governor Kim Reynolds's school safety initiative enacted after the school shooting massacre in Uvalde, Texas last May. Those
3: plans are not released to the public because they are protected because they're about our emergency operations and We have to be careful on how those are released, but we are looking at ways we can manage visitors and our emergency communications and our external access to the building and, you know, even how we access the internal environment. So we're looking at a number of different components and different areas of where we can tweak our plan, where we can make improvements, and this is just one area that's very visible and, and quite public is to add
0: an SRO. City officials later signed the agreement Tuesday morning. Shenandoah Police is currently conducting a search for the SRO whose tenure begins for the 2023 24 school year. Meanwhile, Shenandoah High School officials are urging students to keep focusing on the remainder of this school year. Achievements in academics, activities, and athletics were celebrated at a special assembly at the high school gym Monday morning. Among the high points, the announcement of huge increases. In the school standardized test scores this spring. Shenandoah High Principal Andrew Christensen cited improved math scores among juniors and sophomores in the recent Iowa statewide assessment of student progress testing.
2: Juniors and math. In
1: 21-22, we were 65% proficient. This year, we're 85. That's a great job. Sophomores, last year you were 61% proficient.
0: This year you are 80. 80 Christensen says freshman math scores remained at the same level as 2022, indicating an emphasis of improvement for next year's testing. He also noted English language arts scores for 9th through 11th grade students grew across the board this year, reaching the 80% threshold or above. And each student taking the test showed individual achievement. I need you all to know,
1: 9 through 11, you put your best foot forward, the results speak for themselves. When we get up through the 80s, that means that you're doing a fantastic job. That means you're doing a great job. But also, your teachers are doing a great job. And your teachers are doing a fantastic job.
4: Everybody got in, everybody grew, and everyone deserves a huge round of applause. I'm super proud of you guys. Great job.
0: Christensen then urged the students to continue that momentum in the school year's remaining days. Saying the school year isn't over, the principal issued a stern pep talk challenging the SHS contingent to finish strong. I don't want to
1: see you in the office because your behavior is increasing and it's not improving. Go to class. Be on time. Sit down. Pay attention. Listen. Be willing to grow and learn. And be a great student for the next couple weeks. You all have it in you and you all not it this year. It's gotten better, and better, and better, and better. We've seen nothing but a rise and an increase in improvement.
2: And that can't fall now. Not just because there's a couple weeks left and it's nice outside. So I need you to finish strong. Can we all do that? Sharon Dahl High School, can we all do that?
0: Students honored during the assembly included those excelling in recent Spanish class testing, FFA and Hawkeye 10 art activities, students and staff participating in the school's recent blood drive, and standout participants in boys and girls track, tennis, and golf. Shenandoah Ohio's choir students were also cited for receiving a Division I rating at Saturday's large group music festival. SHS also honored 23 students recently graduating from Tarchio Tech in welding, computer tech, and nursing. More than a year of work culminated in the passing of updated solar energy regulations in Mills County this week. By unanimous vote Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved the second and third readings, then formally adopted updated utility solar regulations proposed by the Planning and Zoning Commission. The board also approved adding a renewable energy chapter to the county's comprehensive land use plan. The move comes after over a year's worth of review from county planning and zoning officials. Supervisor Richard Crouch tells KMA News he was pleased to see the amount of time and research taken by the commission, along with building and zoning technician Holly Jackson and her staff.
4: I've set in on many of the programs and meetings and things that went ahead of this. uh, You know, the effort that was put in this to, to come up with a solar ordinance that would fit for Mills County and for the future of Mills County, I think that's something that we looked at.
0: Per the proposed ordinance, setback requirements include 50 feet between the county right-of-way and the nearest solar panel, and at least 300 feet from a residence not part of the projected area. The ordinance also limits noise levels to 50 decibels when located adjacent to an existing residence or residential district, along with a minimum 2-foot height and a max of 20 feet at full tilt. While no official plans have been presented to the county, Crouch's rumblings of developers wanting to bring solar energy to the county prompted officials to review its regulations. We've
4: had several companies come and talk to us that are looking at putting solar in Mills County. I think the biggest thing that has kind of happened is that they can't get the products they need right now. It's such a hot thing, you know, going on with creating solar energy. They they can't get what they need to, to build their products and stuff, but... No, we have some uses that's going to be coming into Mills County that will be very interesting.
0: In related business the board also approved an update to the building and zoning fee schedule. Jackson says the only change is to provide a new category for utility scale solar projects. We try
3: to keep it comparable to what it is in
2: other jurisdictions um, which is 2500 per 100 acres of land with the conditional use permit price for just utility scale, solar at 1500
0: Jackson adds the planning and zoning officials consulted with representatives of Conservation Blueprint, Confluence Consulting, and David Levy with Bear at Home in formulating the solar ordinance. Page County officials continue the painstaking review of the county's wind turbine ordinance. Meeting in regular session Thursday night, the county's board of supervisors discussed the current and potential requirements they'd like to see in a road use agreement with a wind project developer. The agreement, part of a lengthy list the board identified earlier this year for review of its wind energy conversion systems ordinance. One agreement the board came to a consensus on is ensuring any damage to any of the roads is repaired promptly. Additionally, Supervisor Todd Mayher says he would require the developer to cover the costs if they cause the damage. The company that's that's doing the work uh, is responsible uh, for repairing it within...
2: And some of them had it within 72 hours. They had to be out there. They had to pay a a contract with the crew. Um, If the county ends up having to fix something or, or pay for something, a lot of the work, if it happens a year after the project ends, it's still covered under
0: the group that's that right. responsible for the turbine. Additionally, similar to decommissioning, the board agreed that money should be set aside throughout the construction and potentially the operation and maintenance of the project for repairs to county roads. Whether they keep it in its own escrow account, Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes says having the money set aside is a common thing amongst thorough county wind ordinances. I think some of
1: the counties that have spent time and made sure they really had a tight one had availability to real money and and it was able, they could just go do it themselves. If they mess something up, they can go, they prove that it's messed up, they go get the money out of this account and they fix it. They don't have to wait. They give them so many days, if they don't do it, they just take it on to their own. So I think real money is a big decision. A lot of people just do well, we promise we will.
0: The board also took comments and suggestions from multiple residents and attendance. To ensure the requirements are followed, County Resident Jesse Stimson says the board should find a way to require the project supervisor always be present when the contractor or subcontractor is working on the project. I don't know what the
1: pro- what what the method would be, but I would like to put some kind of wording in there that you've got to have that supervisor there and and maybe even have an update from the supervisor to the engineer or to to whoever would be the next in line just to make sure that theres it's basically accountability that they are doing, Mm -hmm. uh, that the final product is going to be what
0: what the ordinance requires. Ultimately, Holmes believes the road use agreement and decommissioning requirements are the most critical parts of the county's wind ordinance. Holmes adds the agreement's details can still be fine-tuned when they put a revised ordinance together with an attorney. Clarenda officials didn't have to look very far to find a new city clerk and treasurer. Meeting in regular session Wednesday evening, the Clarinda City Council appointed current Deputy City Clerk Paula Gray as the new city clerk and treasurer. The move comes after the council voted to make the dual role its own position in March. City Manager Gary McLarnon has been serving in the position since 2007. After posting the job internally and an interview with Gray and Clarinda Mayor Craig Hill, McClarnon tells KMA News Gray fits the current need for the role and brings years of experience in city government. She is very knowledgeable um, in city business. She's been with us almost nine years and uh, she started out as a utility billing clerk, so she definitely has that knowledge level. Uh, then when Diane Stanton retired, she became the deputy city clerk. She's been doing that almost two years um, and I just felt like this, this is the right time to go ahead and promote her to that next level, and and I just really feel that she will do a tremendous job. McLarnon took over the clerk and treasurer duties in April of 2007 due to being in a financial bind, but with the finances in a better place and McClarning considering retirement in the near future, he felt it was time to reestablish the separate role. A lifelong Clarinda resident and nearly nine-year employee at City Hall, Gray says he looks or she looks forward to jumping into the new role and taking on additional supervisor duties. I'm
3: excited to get started with learning the finance side of the city, which I haven't um, done yet. I was water clerk when I started, and then I moved into deputy clerk, and now I'll be the city clerk.
0: Gray has also served as the assistant director at Grandma's House Daycare and previously handled payroll at Barker Implement. Which later merged into AgriVision. On top of the billing side, McLaren says Gray had already begun learning new skills and taking on additional responsibilities in City Hall. Clarenda School Board members hit the pause button this week on proposed realtors' agreement for selling vacant property. At its regular meeting late Wednesday afternoon, the board took no action on agreement with Shirley's Realty LTD for the sale of the former Shopco building at 1180 South 16th Street. Even before the rejection of a 14 14- million dollar bond issue for facilities upgrades in March, school officials have contemplated selling the building, which was acquired three years ago for $400,000 for use as a CTE facility. But board members questioned some of the agreement's provisions or lack thereof. Board member Greg Jones says the agreement's effective term date was blank.
2: I don't know what our intentions are, but I don't think we want an
1: open-ended no. agreement, a realty agreement that we have to argue to get out of it at some point if we do want to get out
0: of it. Board member Paul Boyson says the standard term for a listing is three to six months. He also believes the property should be placed on a multi-listing rather than an exclusive listing in order to attract more potential buyers. I think we
4: should at least have something in there. Because we need to have the potential buyer pool as large as we can get. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a tough sell, and particularly in today's climate environment. So we need to have it as broad as we can have it.
0: After further discussion, the board requested Clarinda School Superintendent Jeff Privia meet with the district's facilities committee and its legal counsel to review the agreement and bring a recommendation back at a future board meeting. Roof repairs are in store for Inman Elementary School in Red Oak. Meeting in special session Tuesday night, the Red Oak School Board approved awarding a contract to elevate roofing for just over $219,000 for the roof replacement over an older portion of the elementary school. Bids came in nearly $55,000 under the engineer's estimate of $275,000 from Ali Pointer Maquetto Architecture. Approval also came after the board accepted the plans, specifications, and form of contract following a public hearing. Red Oak School Superintendent Ron Lorenz laid out the proposed scope of work. Project
1: specifications call for the removal of 9,500 square feet of existing membrane roof and insulation to the metal deck, and then replacing it with seven inches of polyiso insulation and 60 mil EPDM roofing, and also 136 feet of edging excuse me, flashing gutters and
0: downspouts. Officials with Ollie Pointer McEno Architecture say the section of the roof installed in 2001 is beginning to fail. Elevate Roofing was one of two bidders on the project with Scott Enterprises submitting roughly $280,000 proposal. Derek O'Neill with Ollie Pointer McEno Architecture adds the two different unit prices are included in the proposals that could be added or subtracted from the lump sum as needed. One of it, she says, involves Ruth sheathing replacement. I don't
3: anticipate we're going to find that. The drawings that we have show that there, there's not any of that in there, but if for some reason it was added, we have a unit price for that. And then we also have a unit price for joint sealants. And that was something we added. Uh, there was just a line item on our catch-all list of some maintenance. This would handle that. Um, so once they get up there and do that work, if we want to identify... Uh, some of those areas that we would like them to perform that.
0: In related business, the board also approved a letter of agreement with Ollie Pointer McKenna Architecture for their efforts in designing and coordinating the partial re-roofing process for $12,000. Sydney officials are considering how to address parking concerns on the downtown square. Meeting in a regular session Tuesday night, the Sydney City Council discussed with several residents and business owners possible parking limitations on the outer portions of the downtown square, after Mayor Ken Brown and said some businesses had expressed concerns over vehicles sitting in front of their vehicles for extended periods. Councilman Don Benedict says the city code does allow a business to request a 30-minute park in certain spots between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. However, it does not specify how many spots they can request. Despite the drawback, Councilman Ken Myers believes one element they should keep moving forward is allowing a business to request at least one spot to be reserved and have a sign posted for limited parking. If somebody
4: doesn't want it, then there's nothing that says that it has to change. You know, if there's a need, and I can see a couple of places where there's a need for somebody to be able to reach that business during the day, maybe they need a parking spot, but they may not need a whole stretch of it.
0: Additionally, with a lack of a police department, Brown says the ordinance has been challenging to enforce. Since the Iowa Supreme Court no longer allows law enforcement to chalk tires to show a vehicle has been stationary for a significant amount of time, Fremont County Sheriff's Deputy Andrew Wake says business owners taking photos of cars that have sat longer than 30 minutes would likely be the primary way to go. Photo enforcement
2: is how
1: they do what You can't physically touch the vehicle to uh, mark time then if we would have that that photographic evidence where we come by and the vehicle's parked there and then we come back by 30 minutes later, the vehicle's still parked there. I know we've talked to the city before about issuing written citations. We don't have a way to do a a, a, a written parking ticket um, with the system that we use now uh, through the state um, so the city could um, issue parking tickets.
0: Some residents and attendants expressed concerns over having any parking limits and just how often a sheriff's deputy would be available to deal with a parking violation. City Attorney Bree Sorensen encouraged the council to assess just how much additional parking regulations are needed on the square. The council also agreed to have interested businesses contact the city about whether they would allow restricted parking in front of their buildings before making any decisions on their ordinances. Again, more discussion is expected at future Sydney City Council meetings. That wraps up this week in KMALand. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend and happy Mother's Day. This week in KMA Land, a presentation of KMA News.